Welcome to the Wagging Tails podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Noble Canine, canine behavioural specialists and dog trainers. We provide global online consultations and training, as well as physical training and behavioural rehabilitation within Singapore. And welcome to this episode of the Wagging Tails podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about navigating dog ownership. What that's actually going to entail is looking at the benefits of owning a dog, looking at what you need to consider before you get a dog, looking at what to consider before you decide to adopt a dog, adopt a shelter dog or an X-tray, what to look at when you're potentially having to move overseas. Maybe you're an expat in a country and you're wanting to adopt a dog while you're there. Maybe you're at home and you're getting a, a job overseas or an opportunity overseas, or what if you do? And what are you going to do about that? And what do you need to consider about that as well? We're then going to look at stuff that's slightly less nice, but sometimes it is the reality. And then we're going to be looking at rehoming. There's been a large number of rehoming posts that I've seen fairly recently, and I thought this is something that needed to be addressed. We're going to look at the impact of what rehoming a dog actually does to the dog and uh, and sh- what we should consider about that before we decide to do it. We're also going to be looking at the, some of the reasons and considerations that are taken on when rehoming a dog to bear in mind that we're not shaming anybody when we go into this. What we're actually doing is looking at this from a standpoint of these are some of the reasons that people have to rehome. So if these are a potential for you, think twice before you decide to bring a dog into your life. So first things first. Reminder for a future episode. Our next episode is going to be on Valentine's Day. It's going to be on the 14th of February. That's going to be 8pm Singapore time or 12 noon GMT. Or in Australia, the AEDT time is going to be 11pm, which is quite late, I understand. And in the US, EST will be 7am and PST will be 4am. If you guys are able to join us live, what we're going to be talking about is how dogs impact your relationship and your love life. We're going to be looking at the pros and some of the cons. We're going to be sharing some stories about some of our clients and how it impacted them, um, ourselves, and indeed if you guys have any stories about how your dog has impacted your love life, please let us know in advance if you can, and if not, in the comments as we're doing it, so that we can then share it as well. So, the benefits of owning a dog. Well, the benefits of owning a dog are numerous. There really is a lot of great benefits to having a dog in your life. And this is something that people like to talk about a lot more than the considerations that they should have before they get a dog, which is completely normal. But I also want to talk about this a little bit before we go down the rabbit hole. One of the big benefits of having a dog is, of course, companionship. But 
having a dog is way more than just companionship. It's something that brings a massive amount of benefits and a great amount of joy into your everyday life. It goes everywhere from emotional and psychological to physical, improving your mental health, your safety, your security and everything else. So let's just have a wee look at that. The emotional and psychological benefits. Companionship is the big one. It's the obvious one. It's kind of an unconditional love that you get from your dog, which is just something that cannot be understated. Uh, having a dog in your life does give you that that love, that excitement when you come home, when the rest of your family might be too busy, they might be not in the house. When you get home, your dog is going to show you unrequited love, and that's something very special. Dogs reduce your stress. They really do. So interacting with dogs has actually been shown to lower your stress levels, reduce your anxiety, and actually decreases your blood pressure, whether that being from the companionship from the petting and interacting with the dog, or even just from having them around. The increased happiness, that one's an obvious one. Having your dog around does elevate your mood. It provides a great amount of a reality check in your life. For example, you might be having a bad day, it might be over something silly, but your dog comes up to you and drops a ball at your feet and says, I want to play. That stuff is definitely going to increase your happiness. And, of course, it can enhance your social life, which kind of will lead to what we're going to be talking about next week in the Valentine special. This is basically, you go down to the dog park, you go walking with your friends, you're maybe part of groups on social media that you wouldn't normally be part of if you didn't have a dog. All this stuff is your emotional and psychological benefits. Physical benefits, they encourage you to go outdoors. A lot of people would just stay inside gaming, watching TV, not doing very much at all, your dog encourages you to get out in nature, to get outside, to explore a little bit. It encourages exercise. When you need to go and walk your dog, you need to go and play with your dog, because that's part of their physical and mental enrichment. It actually improves your overall health. And believe it or not, it actually improves your immune system to have dogs in the house. It's been shown through numerous studies that the exposure to pet dander from a young age can help develop a stronger immune system in children and reduces the risk of allergies and asthma. There's also, which is a little bit creepy, this one, but there's also an enzyme that's found in dog saliva, which actually helps complete our immune system, which was once complete when we were living a little bit more naturally. But now that we're in a more cleanly city state, that tends to go away. So these are the physical health benefits that they get. You also have a more sense of purpose. You've got therapeutic effects. You've got cognitive development in children. Now, children growing up with dogs actually show improved empathy, compassion, and social skills because of their interaction with their dogs from a very young age. This does come a lot from the sense of purpose of having to care for the dog, having that responsibility, having to understand what that dog requires. But it also gives the kids and the adults self-esteem and self-worth because there's somebody relying on you. Your dog relies on you 100%. Then you've got the obvious ones of safety and security. Dogs provide a sense of security, whether you're out walking with them at night 
or whether they are in your home. It's something that people have used with dogs for tens of thousands of years. Um, if you see one of our recent articles, we actually touch on that. It was the safety and security which actually brought dogs into our human lives. Now, this doesn't mean that your chihuahua is going to be able to fight off an intruder, but they'll certainly let you know there's a potential intruder. So it doesn't matter what size or what breed of dog, you have that sense of safety and security from them. Your lifestyle and your personal growth is also strongly impacted. That routine and structure that's required for a dog to strive also gives you routine and structure. It helps your learning and your growth. At times when we become adults, we stop learning. But when you've got a dog, you should, at the very least, be continuously learning about dogs, continuously trying to improve your dog's life. And it helps massively with your responsibility, your patience and your empathy levels, not just to the dog, but to everybody else as well. Effectively, having a dog does enhance your quality of life. And that's some, some of the reasons, not all, that people want to have dogs in their life. So now we've got to look at the more serious impact here of what to think about before you get a dog. And that comes from everything from whether you're looking to buy, adopt, take over from a friend. You've got to make sure that you've considered all of these points. Okay, And even if you've got a dog, take a look at these points and see, is there anywhere that you can improve to help your dog have a better lifestyle? This leads us on to your lifestyle compatibility. Take a look at your daily routine and determine if a dog fits into your lifestyle. Look at your working hours, your social life. Outline the key considerations of that area, what sort of activity level do you have? Do you have enough time to take them for walks, to play with them and give them the attention that a dog needs? This is very, very important. If it doesn't fit, maybe it's not the right time for you to have a dog and that's okay. The right time might come later on. Breed research. If you're looking at buying or adopting a selected breed, make sure you understand the breed. A lot of people start talking about things like, oh, breeds don't matter. Yes, they do. There's no two ways about it. If breed didn't matter, breeds wouldn't exist. The reason that you've got a difference between a Great Dane and a Chihuahua is because they have been selectively bred for different purposes. So, of course, you're going to have different physical requirements and different mental requirements and different behavioral, behavioral requirements for these breeds. So be aware what you're actually getting yourself into. Consider the size of the dog, the energy level, the temperament, the grooming needs. Be aware of any of the breed-specific health issues and the lifespan of the dogs. For example, if you get a large dog because you love the large dogs and that's what you want, but you've not taken into consideration any of these, you might be absolutely gutted to understand that some of these giant breed dogs only have an average lifespan of about eight years, you know? But the amount of work that's, that's needed for that eight years is quite vast. Or maybe you get a French bulldog because you love the look of French bulldogs. 
understand the health issues that might come with that. A lot of the breathing issues that come with having a, having a bulldog like that. If they're going to look in your long-term commitment, understand that a lot of dogs, contrary to what I just spoke about with the giant breeds, but most dog breeds will live between 10 to 15 years on average. We had a little dog when I was uh, when I was growing up and when I was at university, little buddy. He lived to about 18, 19 years old. You know, that's a huge long-term commitment that involves time. The emotional attachment that you bring up with this dog, the financial responsibility, and also understanding that when these dogs age, they are getting old. And you've got to love and care for them the same as you did when they were young. You can't give a dog up just because they're old and it takes a little bit more work and they're no longer cute and bouncy. That long-term commitment is paramount. That financial responsibility that I touched on, super important. I know this might sound harsh to some people, but quite frankly, if you can't afford the cost of food, veterinary care, insurance, vaccination, spaying, neutering, the potential for emergency health situations, grooming, professional training. If you can't afford that, if you can't budget for that cost of all of that stuff, plus beds, potential crates, collars, leashes, toys, all of that stuff, it's not the right time for you to get a dog. It's the hard, hard reality of it. Your living arrangements as well. Do you have the space to have a dog? Is your, your house big enough? Is it suitable for the breed of dog that you're thinking of getting? Do you have access to outdoor space within your home? And if you don't, do you have the time and the ability to take them out regularly enough that they're getting that outside exposure that they need? If you're renting an apartment, are you allowed pets? Does your landlord or the property management allow your pets to be there? Because if you're going to get a dog and all of a sudden you're going to be told that you can't have the dog there, you've got to bear that in mind. What are you going to do then? Training and socialization, right? This one obviously is something that I find very important, but it's because it is. Training is not an option when it comes to your dog. It's a requirement, okay? People might say, oh, I didn't need to do training for my dog. Well, you should have because it's a safety thing. Lack of training can lead to your dog pulling you off your feet and you getting hurt on a walk. It could lead to your dog running out of the house and getting hit by a car. It could lead to your dog getting into multiple dog fights or getting lost in a forest or any of these things. Socialization and training is paramount. You've got to plan for it. You've got to commit the time. You've got to understand what socialization means. It's not just playing with other dogs. There's a lot more to it. If you don't have that ability, then that's when you've got to consider that section as well. Now, we touched on this in the financial side of things, but healthcare and maintenance is not just about money. It's about being able to take them for regular checkups, their vaccination, ensuring they've got flea and tick prevention, dental care if necessary to keep the dog healthy. Grooming needs by some breeds are very, very required, while those other breeds, not so much. My boys, give them a brush, clip their nails, have a shower every now and then, and they're good as gold. Some breeds take a massive amount of grooming requirements. 
then you've got to understand that if you're going on holiday, you've then got to make sure that your dog is cared for. We spoke about this in past weeks. If you're interested about that, go back and have a look. But if you're traveling, who's taking care of them? Can you afford boarding? Do you know which borders to go to? Do you know who to look for? Do you have pet sitters? Do you have people or organizations you can trust? And of course, family and household members. Are all the family members on board with you having a pet? And if they're not, that's something you've got to consider and talk to them about. Does everybody get along well with dogs? Do they have fear of dogs? Do they have any allergies? All of this stuff is things you need to consider. So bear that in mind before you go out and just get a dog, you've got to make sure you've spoken to your family members about this. Now, legal responsibilities are very, very important. We've seen a massive amount of legal stuff coming up all over the world recently with regards to things like breed bans in the UK. You've just had recently the XL Bully. In Singapore, you've got Schedule 2 dogs, which require specific training, specific insurance, and you've got to have them muzzled when you're out in public. You've got to familiarise yourself with the local laws wherever you are regarding dog ownership. This includes licensing requirement, leash laws, noise adherence, all of that kind of stuff. For example, here in Singapore, you've got to have certain breeds are only allowed in HDBs, in the housing developments. So this means that if you're wanting a dog in those, a lot of them need to have special training requirements and a lot of them need to be allowed to be there. So with all of that, Take your time to consider all of those factors thoroughly to help ensure that you're prepared for dog ownership. And if all of these line up, if the stars align, I can promise you dog ownership is one of the best things in the world. Certainly one of the best things I've ever done with my life. Of course, aside from my marriage and having my daughter, obviously. Now, moving on to this one. Now, this is one that I know that a lot of people that are watching right now when I look down at the list of people watching are going to be very keen on me talking about. And I strongly advise anyone watching this that is uh, involved in animal welfare groups or adoption charities, this is the section that you're going to want to send people to. What are your considerations before adopting a shelter dog or an X-tray? Now, yes, everything we just spoke about is stuff that you need to think about when you are adopting as well. However, there's additional unique considerations that you need to think about before you adopt a shelter dog or an X-tray. These dogs might have unknown traumas. They may have been neglected. They've maybe had inconsistent care. All of this impacts their behaviour and their health. And understanding this and understanding that patience is key to helping them adjust to this to your new home, if that's going to be the case, is one of the most beneficial things for them. But what do you need to consider? Well, let's look at the behavioural considerations. Now, obviously, I'm going to go for that one first, because that's the one I know more about. But first of all, you've got fear and anxiety. Understand that dogs that were born in the jungle or on the streets Maybe they've had genetic influences from that because there's multiple generations have lived in those areas. They are going to be naturally more skittish because it's essential for them to stay safe. 
If they're not skittish, they're not going to be able to stay safe. And as such, the ones that are more skittish are the ones that survive, the ones that breed, and that gets passed down. Or even if that's not the case, dogs are in shelters. You've got to understand that these places, although they've got the best intentions in their hearts, it's effectively a jail cell for dogs. It's loud. It's smelly. They, in a good shelter, they may get walked once every couple of days. In your average shelter, it's going to be once a week, sometimes even less. You've got to understand that they're going to be unfamiliar with living in a house. They're going to be unfamiliar with social situations, interacting with humans or meeting other pets. You've got to gradually expose them to these new experiences and ensure that you've got them having a positive association to that. You've also got to understand that things like resource guarding, things like separation anxiety, things like house training, things like leash training are all things that you may need to address and work on. A lot of these dogs have not been socialised properly. A lot of these dogs will have resource guarding because of uncertainties about food. There's a dog that I've worked with up at a shelter recently. The wildest resource guarding and food aggression I've ever seen in my life. And it was because this dog was effectively a temple dog and was only fed rice and vegetables. So it had an extreme nutritional deficit. And when the dog started being fed real food that dog require, that dog became very, very possessive of it and started to guard that food with everything it's got because it wasn't sure if it was going to continue getting it. And that, quite simply, is an extreme version of what can happen with these dogs. Separation anxiety, the other big one, after forming a bond with their new owner, a lot of shelter dogs will exhibit separation anxiety. This can be tackled by establishing a routine from day one, using effective boundary and threshold training so that it reduces the dog's anxiety and understands that they can have independence. House training should be an obvious one. Extras and shelter dogs, of course they're not going to have been house trained because they've never lived in a house. So you've got to make sure that you're willing to deal with an adult dog who may not have been house trained. And the same thing goes with walking on a leash. If they've been living in the jungle, the streets, as a stray, they've not been on a leash. So not only do you need to do leash training, you'll also need to do leash shaping, harness shaping, collar shaping, all of that stuff that comes along with it. Now that's the behavioural side of things. But you've also got to understand that shelter dogs and x-rays, they come with a very incomplete medical history. And as a result, the health considerations are pretty vast. And I'll touch on a few of these, but as you know, I'm not an expert on health. Um, if I could, I would have a, a vet on to do a specific episode on this, because I think it'd be quite interesting to do that. But you've got to have very regular checkups, especially in the beginning, to make sure that you're identifying any health issues that your ex-stray or shelter dog might have. With every dog, you've got to do that, but you've got to be extra diligent because we don't know what the medical history is. Spaying and neutering may not be an option. A lot of the time, these charities will ensure you do that to prevent unwanted litters and to reduce certain health risks. Nutritional needs. A lot of these dogs have got nutritional deficits because of what they've eaten in the past. 
So it's really important that we give them a very good nutrition. That's going to help not just their health, but also their behavior. We've got a piece on that as well. Then you've got chronic conditions and disabilities that may need to be treated because they've gone untreated for God knows how long. And that is all very, very essential. Effectively, when you go for an adoptive situation, you've got to understand that patience is key. It takes time. There's going to be an adjustment period and you've got to be very patient with these dogs. These dogs are not the same as your pedigree from a good responsible breeder. And you've got to understand that. You've got to understand that training and socialization may be a little bit more challenging because of that fear and anxiety. You've got to understand that you need to create that safe environment and that safe home for those dogs to get this result that everybody wants when they adopt a dog. But do remember that adopting a dog from a shelter as an X-ray can be incredibly rewarding. I mean, I've got three of them myself. I try my best to get up to shelters regularly so that I can help the dogs that are up there. Once you get through that fear and anxiety, once you create that bond, it is absolutely phenomenal how much love and just sheer joy these dogs can give you. But you've got to make sure that you've considered everything before you go down that road. Now, then we go down this potentially moving overseas. But this one goes out a lot to expats that adopt dogs or get dogs while they're living overseas. And of course, people living at home who may get the opportunity to go and move overseas for work or for whatever reason. You've got to make sure that you've considered this before you get your dog. Some people have got no intention of doing this, and that's absolutely fine. But if there's even that sliver of potential, you've got to bear that in mind. First things first, will you bring your dog with you? Understand that your dog is going to create a solid bond with you. Whether you're nice to that dog or not, that dog is going to give you unrequited love. So if you leave your dog behind, that is going to have a massive impact on that dog. You've also got to bear in mind that some countries have very strict quarantine laws, and that might be very stressful for your pets and owners alike. So if you're potentially going to a country like that, bear that in mind. Do you want to get a dog knowing that you might need to have your dog in quarantine for three to six months, depending on the country? These are the sort of things that you've got to think about. Which leads on to understanding the import in quarantine regulations. If you are potentially moving back home, for example, let's say, for example, you're an expat in Singapore, you're going to be moving back to Australia or to the UK. What is the pet import regulations of the country that you're potentially moving to? And what's the import regulations of the country that you're in? Because sometimes you might go overseas for work and then decide you want to move back. Well, you can't take your pet over there and abandon them in a different country. That's just unfair. So understand the regulations and the quarantine and what you need to do to get your dog over to wherever you're going. International travel with pets has a lot of logistics to it to get uh, an agency involved so that you can do this effectively. International pet travel is needing insurances. You've got airlines that you might need to take into consideration. Some airlines don't take certain breeds. Some airlines have got certain size requirements. 
You might have different crate requirements and different fees, all included within that international travel. Climate and environmental adjustments are another big one. If you are currently living somewhere like Canada and you have got an Alaskan, Alaskan Malamute, you might need to think twice before you move to the tropics because that dog's not going to do well in the tropics. Likewise, if you're living in a warm country and your dog's very acclimatized to that, you've got to take that into consideration when you move somewhere else. Can your dog adapt to that climate? And if so, what do you need to do to get them there? Because some breeds do struggle with extreme heat or extreme cold. Consider the availability of nature. Is your dog going to be able to get the exercise, the exposure and the play they need? Take into consideration how busy a place is. So one thing that I've noticed is border collies that live in the countryside and get enough stimulation, maybe they even get to work or maybe they get to do sport. Those dogs are absolutely phenomenal. But many, not all, because some owners are very, very good at this, but many border collies live in city areas have massive behavioural issues. And that's because it's so much tougher to get that dog what it needs in those areas, in those environments. So, for example, if you've got a husky, can you ensure that that dog is going to get enough exercise that is required by the breed? And if you're moving somewhere that you can't do that, maybe look at somewhere else to move to. Or if you've not got the dog yet, consider a different breed. All of this stuff is really important. Wherever you're moving to, what's the access to veterinary care? What's the housing considerations that you might have? What's the cultural attitudes towards dogs? Some countries have got a very different sort of thinking towards dogs than others. For example, Scotland, where I'm from, in a lot of hotels, you can just take your dog in, restaurants, bars, shopping malls, you can take your dog a lot of different places. There's Your dog's allowed off leash as long as it's well behaved. There's no issues there at all. But in other areas, that's not the case. Singapore, for example, your dog must be on leash at all times unless it's in a designated area. Different cultures have got different sort of pet-friendly restrictions, if you will. There's certain um, cultures that believe that they shouldn't be shouldn't be allowed to touch dogs or dogs are not very nice animals or they're dirty animals. You've got to understand this and make sure that there may be restrictions that you're not used to when you're taking that dog overseas. So all of this needs to be considered before you go. Legal requirements, registration requirements, emergency planning. What if you've got a sudden move or you suddenly need to get out of that country? Have you got that under control? Do you have that planned out? Do you have enough finances to need to do that? Is there an increase in cost with having your pet overseas, wherever you're going? All of these factors are huge. And you've got to take all of that in consideration before you decide to get a dog and then move overseas. Now, this side of things is slightly less... Fun, but it's incredibly important. Rehoming. This is not done to demonize or target or make anybody feel bad about what they've had to do in the past or maybe they may need to do it in the future. But you've got to understand that rehoming a dog 
is not something that should be taken lightly. In fact, it's akin to rehoming a child, in my opinion. Now, dogs form an incredibly strong bond with their families, and they can be impacted hugely by being rehomed, even if you're rehoming them into a good home. Dogs can experience extreme anxiety and stress due to a sudden change in their environment or a loss of their family members. Now, this is actually the same if they lose a family member through death or whether they lose a family member from being given up. They get confused. There's uncertainty. The sudden disappearance of their family, introduction to a different area, all of the uncertain behaviour can create not just anxiety and stress, but also separation anxiety and other behavioural issues that might prop up from that. Dogs can show signs of depression when they're separated from their original families. And this can manifest into a lack of interest in food or play. It can have really low energy. It can change their appetite completely. And it can end up really impacting their physical health as well. Stress-related health issues are no joke as well. So like humans, if there's prolonged durations of stress, it weakens the immune system and makes them more susceptible to illness and infections. And all of this stuff can massively impact their behaviour. So a dog that was once very social and happy and go-lucky can be rehomed and they may end up with more reactivity, with increased barking, chewing. They might lose house training. They might end up having stress-related soiling in the house. All of this stuff can happen just from rehoming a dog. The adjustment period is huge. Bonding with the new owners takes time. It can be very stressful. And the stability in the routine is completely shot. So all of this stuff is very important to understand before you rehome a dog. For those that might be bringing a rehomed dog into their lives, there's a few quick tips that I'd like to give. Provide a calm, welcoming environment. Make sure that there's space when you come into it, they've got a safe space. Maintain a routine. If you're able to talk to the previous family, find out what the routine was, try and keep it the same before you very gradually change it to something that suits you. You've got to be patient. You've got to be understanding. You've got to understand what the dog is going through. And you definitely need to consider professional support because you don't want this to go wrong. And effectively, what you're going to have to do is ensure that you are creating positive experiences for everything that the dog is experiencing from them on. Now, then we move on to rehoming reasons and considerations, because not all rehoming is done for good reasons and not all rehoming is done for bad reasons. A lot of things can go, go wrong in life. We don't necessarily have a magic ball which lets us know what's going to be happening. So a lot of the common reasons are things like behavioural issues. This can vary from aggression, severe anxiety. Things you've got to understand there is that you've got to seek advice from professionals. And if you haven't done that, is a behavioural issue really valid for rehoming the dog? You've got to take that into consideration. Financial hardships. Now, if you were once financially stable and able to afford the dog and then something's gone wrong and all of a sudden you're in financial hardship, that's obviously valid. Dogs can be very expensive. You might not be able to afford what you would like to ensure the dog has the best quality of life. 
But you can also explore resources like pet food banks, like low-cost vet clinics, low-cost pet insurance, reaching out to family or friends, or even certain charities for temporary assistance before you get back up onto your feet. Just because you're going through a little bit of a hard time doesn't mean that you need to give up your dog. Lifestyle changes. Relocation, we spoke about that. Job changes. If your job is all of a sudden a lot more challenging, a lot more time-consuming, that can be something that a lot of people cite as a reason. But what you've got to understand is that what sort of housing did you have in the first place? Was it pet-friendly? Why are you needing to move to a house which isn't pet-friendly? What sort of employment options are you going for? If you're the type of person that says, well, I'm not going to turn down a an employment opportunity because of my dog, maybe you shouldn't have a dog. You know, that sounds harsh, but it's, it's a valid point. You know, a lot of people will change their whole lifestyles, they'll move house to a certain area for their dogs. If you're the type of person that's not willing to even consider your dog before you take a, an employment up, maybe think about that. Allergies, a lot of people say this. We got a dog, but now we've got allergies. Well, yes, allergies can be very severe and have a massive impact to your health. But have you gone to a healthcare provider? Have you looked at management strategies? Have you looked at the fact, did you have these allergies before you got a dog? Maybe you should have checked that before you got a dog. You've got to take that into account. You can't just give up a dog because of allergies that suddenly appeared, okay? You've got to take that consideration and make sure that you have looked at it. A lack of time. This is a big one for a lot of things. Why can't you exercise? Lack of time. Why are you giving up your dog? Lack of time. All of these excuses are there. But how much time do you spend scrolling through Facebook? How much time do you spend watching Netflix or TV? How much time do you spend procrastinating? If this is the reason that you've got a lack of time. Take that into account. If you're not willing to give up that TV time or the scrolling time, consider that before you get a dog. If there's an extreme lack of time which has come out of nowhere, you did not take that into account before you get a dog, yep, okay, maybe that's a genuine concern. Is it temporary? Could you alleviate this for dog water, walkers, pet sitters, doggy daycares? All of these can be a potential solution. You've got to think about these things. Now, this is something that I'm going to take on, which a lot of people get a little bit testy about. We now have a baby and a lack of time, so we've got to give up the dog. No, I'm sorry. That's not an excuse that you should be putting forward. Because if you have got a dog, if you're considering getting a dog, you've got to consider that you may meet someone. And if you may meet somebody, and if you are a couple, are you considering a family? Are you considering that family within the dog projected life period? And if so, that's something that you should have thought about. Yes, time is extremely challenging when you've got a kid and you've got dogs. I know that firsthand. You've got to make sure that... You've prepared your dogs for the kid as soon as you find out. There's no reason not to do it. We've got articles out there telling you how it can be done. We're here to support you. There's many other professionals of 
behavior specialists and trainers that are willing to support you doing that as well. So make sure that that is something you consider. Housing issues. Yep, we've spoke about that. A lot of rentals don't allow pets. If you are renting or you might potentially rent, are you willing to turn down potential homes because of your pet? When we are renting, it takes us so much longer to find a suitable environment and a suitable home because we have three big dogs. Yep, it's a pain in the butt. But nope, there's no way we're going to be looking at getting rid of our dogs for that. So that's a big consideration. Are you willing to hold out for pet-friendly accommodation and making sure that the landlords are willing to have those dogs in your home? This is a lot of excuses that come out or a lot of reasons, depending on how you look at it. Not all of these are something that you're demonizing. Some of these are valid, but a lot of the time they're not valid. So take that into consideration. All of this stuff can be overcome nine times out of 10. The one that a lot of the time can't be overcome, which is why I've separated it, is the health of the owner. Sometimes, the owners get very sick. They end up in homes or hospitals and then the dog needs to be rehomed. This is a very tough one, something that props up every now and then. This one tends to be incredibly valid and it's uh, something that people need to consider when they're bringing that dog into their home. Are you willing to let that dog go and interact with the original owner? because that's something that might be very, very beneficial for not just the dog, but also the owner when they are struggling with their health. This is something that I feel is very important when the health of the owner is the reason for the dog being rehomed. So before you rehome a dog, exhaust all of the options. Ensure every possible solution has been explored, including training, behavioural modification, financially, lifestyle adjustments, choosing what direction you're sending your life because you brought this dog, this life into your home and it's your responsibility to look after it. If you do need to rehome, make sure it's responsible. Only rehome your dog to somebody that you know is going to be responsible. Please, please, please do not just abandon your dog back to a shelter that you may have adopted them or to a shelter. A lot of these shelters are already overflowing with dogs that are needing new homes. Chucking that back to the shelter is not fair. By all means, if you've adopted, I strongly advise that you let the shelter know that you are needing to rehome the dog and letting them help you. But do not just throw the dog into a cage because that's effectively what you're doing when you're sending them to a shelter. Make sure that you've got all the health and behaviour records in line so that whoever is taking the dog and looking after the dog has all of the information they need to give that dog the best home that they can. Ensure that you're giving fair trial periods. Ensure that you are emotionally prepared. Ensure your family are emotionally prepared. Because that's incredibly hard on a family, especially with real valid reasons for rehoming a dog. I can only nightmare about how I would feel if I had to rehome even, even one of the dogs, let alone all three of them. I'd be broken. You've got to be prepared for that as well. Now, all of that that we've just spoken about, 
it might seem very down, it might seem very bummerish, but it's so important. And it's something that I strongly advise anybody thinking of getting a dog considers before they pull the trigger. If you even have a dog, make sure you consider all of this all over again so that you can improve your dog's lifestyle because none of us are doing it perfectly. I know there's definitely things I can do to make sure that my dogs have a better life. And it's something that I strive towards. And I know by looking at who's watching right now, it's stuff that you guys strive towards as well. So effectively, we've got to understand how amazing it is having a dog. One thing that I will share, which many people already know, is getting our boy Athos completely changed my life. I used to work in oil and gas. I was in a corporate position. I traveled a lot. I loved it. Don't get me wrong. It was a great period of my life. But getting Athos changed my life massively. Not only did it change the way that my lifestyle was done, changed my social life, it changed the way I thought about life. It changed my career. It went, took me from being in a corporate position, a corporate management position, to completely re-educating myself, to me having to enroll at university to do canine psychology and cognitive courses, having to go overseas to do dog training courses, and then changing my career and my life completely. It was a huge benefit to me. My mental health took a massive boost. My stress levels completely changed. I'm pretty sure that's one of the reasons that we managed to actually have a family. Because beforehand we were we were struggling and I know that my wife wouldn't mind me sharing that. And with those stress levels dropping down, it really helped. All of this stuff, is a huge benefit that having a dog in my life had. And I'm sure that many of you out there watching and listening have also got similar stories. So please share them with everybody. If you want, post a video into the Noble Canine Facebook page. I'm sure people would love to see that. Share it in the comments here on this post and we'll share it next time. This stuff... It's incredibly important for people to understand the benefits as well. So despite everything that I've just gone through there, the benefits are huge. They certainly, in my opinion, outweigh the considerations that you need to take into place before getting a dog. Now, before I sign off, I'm just going to remind everybody, next week we have got our Valentine's Day episode how dogs have impacted your love life and how they can impact your love life, both the positives and the negatives. That's going to be on Wednesday, the 14th of February, 8pm Singapore time. That's 12 noon GMT in the UK. In Australia, your AEDT is 11pm in the US. EST, 7am, PST, 4am. So if you're able to join us live for that one, sharing your stories about how they've impacted your love life. That would be absolutely fantastic. Hopefully we're going to get some good stories in there about how dogs help people meet, how they've improved lives, how they've created challenges, which a lot of the time ultimately improve them as well. So be here for that. Make sure you're able to listen to it if you can't join us, um, because I think that's going to be a good one. If you want to support us, 
please do so. We've got a Patreon. The Patreon link's going to be in the comments here. Supporting us is a massive benefit. It means that we can look at getting more high-profile guests. It means that we can improve the setup for the podcast. We can look at getting better equipment. Although the microphone I've got is actually a pretty good one. It's my voice that makes it tougher. And all of that stuff is super beneficial for us. And we greatly appreciate everyone that supports us. And for anybody out there that may need behavioral support, maybe you've just got a dog, maybe you've just adopted a dog and you're needing some professional help. We are offering a 10% discount for both in-person or online initial consultations. You can book that on the Noble Canine website. And the discount code to get that 10% is WAGGING DOG. So in all capitals, W-A-G-G-I-N-G-D-O-G. And you'll get a 10% discount on that initial consultation, whether that be in person or online. Thank you all that were watching this live. Thanks all of you for supporting the podcast by listening. What I would ask is if you're watching this on Facebook, hit that like button. If you're really keen, hit that share button. It makes it so much better for us to be able to share all of this information for everybody else. If you're watching this or listening to this as a podcast, hit that like. Please give us a rating. It helps us grow. It helps us climb in the charts. And it means that more people can get all of the information that they need so that they can improve their dog's life and know exactly what they're getting themselves into. And with that said, guys, I will leave it there. Thanks again. And we will hopefully see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.